Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Wesley assisting me today. Today we have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called A Love Story. Today's lesson will explore the tantalizing penmanship of the love letter that is called the Bible. The narrative of intimacy between the Most High and Israel is absolutely captivating, brothers and sisters. Interwoven into the very fabric of the scriptures, evidence of a fascinating yet sometimes tumultuous relationship. So we ask that brothers and sisters sit back as the Most High displays his undying love and affection for his people. Today's lesson will be aimed towards the circumcision, brothers and sisters, the children of Israel. Who are they? The Negroes, the Natives, the Hispanics, brothers and sisters, the, those of the West Indies, the Brazilians. Father, uh, <clears throat> brothers and sisters, the uh, you have the Indonesians, the Vietnamese, the Mexicans, brothers and sisters. We have the who you would call Haitians, brothers and sisters, the Negroes, brothers and sisters. You would have the Hawaiians and Samoans, brothers and sisters. These are the people we're speaking of, the Aborigines of Australia, the Cubans, the Puerto Ricans. These people are the children of Israel, brothers and sisters. So you would need to understand who they are before you can understand the richness contained in scripture that we will delve into today. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter one. We're going to read verse three. Why? Because this is a love story, brothers and sisters. Isaiah one and three. Isaiah one and three. The ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people does not consider. Examine this. Analyze this, brothers and sisters. An ox and an ass understand who their master is. But Israel do not know. Israel don't know who they are. Therefore, don't know who their God is. My people don't even consider. Read that one more time, brother. Isaiah 1 and 3. The ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Continue, brother. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. So look at this here, brothers and sisters. Analyze this closely because it's showing that we're inconsiderate towards the Most High God. The children of Israel neither knew nor considered. Read verse 4 again, brother. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They have gone away backwards. We have gone away backwards, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, Brother Wesley. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 5. Why should ye be stricken anymore? Read that again. Why should ye be stricken anymore? Brothers and sisters, he's saying, how long do you want to be stricken with this destruction? How long do you want to be beat? In wit, look at the condition of our people. Look at the condition of our neighborhoods, brothers and sisters. He's saying, listen, you don't even consider me. You don't consider that what you're seeing before you, your condition is linked to how you are, have, how you are inconsiderate towards your God. Read that one more time, brother. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 5. Why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faint. Examine that, brothers and sisters. 
We revolt more and more. That's what we do. This is exactly what we do, brothers and sisters. We don't get better when he humble us and lower us and chastise us. We get worse, brothers and sisters. This is what we do. <clears throat> so if you look closely, brothers and sisters, it's showing you. We look around in our nation and what do we do? Okay, well, because I'm in a, you know, I'm in a poverty stricken neighborhood. You know what? I'm going to sell dope. I'm going to sell some crack. I'm going to sell some, uh, some, some Molly. This is what I'm going to do. You don't look at why we're in the ghetto. You just say, you know what? Let me add sin to sin. Now I'm going to go, matter of fact, I'm going to go swing my butt on a pole. <laughs> this is what we do, brothers and sisters. Read verse five again, please, brother. Isaiah one and five. Why should ye be stricken anymore? Ye revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 6. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and petrifying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. This is showing you what, brothers and sisters? This is showing you from top to bottom. We've been destroyed. The, 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 the heaviness of our sins is, crave, is caving down on us, brothers and sisters, from the head to the feet. That means the highest of us and the lowest of us. The people of our people who are <clears throat> what this world would show or say is successful. Most of those people are dealing with what? Paganism. Dealing with the black boule. Uh, dealing with Freemasonry. And then you go down to the bottom, <laughs> brothers and sisters, to where we're in the ghettos. And we're selling dope and drugs. For our own people, the whole body, brothers and sisters, of our people has become sick. And it says, why should you be stricken anymore? Why should you allow yourself to be beat? If, that, if the Bible's asking that question, that means there's something we can do to stop this beating, brothers and sisters. But we must consider our God. Read verse 7, brother. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 7. Your country is desolate. Read that again. Your country is desolate. We have no home, brothers and sisters. We're the only people on earth that don't have a country of their own. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devoured in your presence. Read that part again. Your land, strangers is devoured in your presence. Your land. We have Gentiles devouring our land, brothers and sisters, before us. So you have Jewish people, Edomites... Europeans in the land of Israel desecrating the land before our face. Examine that. Read 7 one more time, brother. Isaiah 1 and verse 7. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate and overthrown by strangers. Overthrown by strangers. So what we really need you to analyze this, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the key message is about how our people are behaving on this earth against his law. How we are operating in spite of our circumstances. We act as if we're not homeless. It says, it says, overthrown by strangers. Brothers and sisters, it's a shame that I have to ask for a passport. I have to, you know, apply for a passport to go see the land of my forefathers. Something is wrong with that, brothers and sisters, but our people don't even consider. Now I have to go pay money and go through a background check just to stand on the land that the Most High gave my forefathers. And we don't consider, brothers and sisters. So this is a love letter, brothers and sisters. This is, we're going to 
use the Bible to illustrate our relationship with the Most High from beginning to present, brothers and sisters. And we know any person who's been in a relationship before understand that you have highs and you have lows, brothers and sisters. And we're going to deal with that today. Let's go to Isaiah, brother. We're going to go to Isaiah 54 and 5. We're going to stay in the Tanakh, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Isaiah 54 and 5. For thy maker is thine husband. Read that again, brother. For thy maker is thy husband. Marriage is used to describe the relationship between the Most High, Ahiah, and Israel, brothers and sisters. Read that again. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. So examine this, brothers and sisters. For thy maker is thy husband. So it's showing something here, brothers and sisters. Israel is known as the bride of the Most High. His woman, his wife, brothers and sisters. So what we have to do is we're going to illustrate this relationship. This marriage. Why? Because the covenant at Sinai was seen as a form of marriage when Moses received that law, brothers and sisters. And the Most High's focus and concern is overwhelmingly on us. And he deals with other nations as they come in contact with Israel. See? So we are his woman, brothers and sisters. Yes, there's Gentiles out there, but he only speak on Gentiles as it pertains to us all throughout this Bible. So it's important Brothers and sisters, to know who Israel is. This is important. Because why? You don't know who your husband is if you don't know who you are. So when Christians and, and other people say, well, God loves everybody. It doesn't matter. That's not the question. Who did he choose? Who is the chosen of Israel? Because you don't understand the Bible. You don't understand this love letter if you're saying it doesn't matter who the children of Israel are. <clears throat> Brother Wesley, I need you to read Isaiah 54 and 5 again. Isaiah 54 and 5. For thy maker is thine husband. Read that again. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. Right. So you need to know this, brothers and sisters. So anybody saying it doesn't matter who Israel is... It's, uh, you know, it should be in no position to be doing any teaching at all because Israel is the most high's woman. And for you to say it doesn't matter who his woman is, is to say it doesn't matter who he is. Now, let's go to Isaiah 46 and 9, brother. A love letter, a love story, brothers and sisters. We're going to use the Bible to illustrate the relationship the most high have with his people, the children of Israel. Isaiah 46 and 9. Remember the former things of old. Read that again. Remember the former things of old. You cannot successfully focus on the future until you have learned from the past, brothers and sisters. For I am God, and there is none else. I am, and there is none like me. There's that name, I am, I am, Ahia, Ahia, Ahia. So look at this, brothers and sisters. This is showing you there's valuable lessons to be learned from the past. Read 9 again, brother. Remember the former things of old, for I am, and there is none else, and I am, and there is none like me. Right. So, brothers and sisters, history is for self-knowledge. The only clue to what man can do is what man has done, brothers and sisters. So, specifically for the circumcision, 
When we say the circumcision, the people who had a law of circumcision, which are the children of Israel, had a law to circumcise the men child, to circumcise their, their privates. So we're talking to predominantly the circumcision. We have a myriad of lessons that Gentiles can receive, Gentiles and Jews can receive. But today's lesson will be about Israel understanding their importance and how much the Most High God have done for us and how much he will continue to do for us. Because listen, everybody teaches Gentiles. Every Christian church is Gentile, Gentile, Gentile. What about Israel? What about Israel? Because Paul said, if you boast against the natural branches, there's a judgment for that. Who are the natural branches? Israel is the natural branches. You can't come into our record and then say it doesn't matter who we are. You can't do that. That's that, that's wrong. And we're not going to allow you to do that. Neither will the Most High. So today's lesson is a love story. We're going to use the Bible, the love letter, to illustrate the Most High's fondness towards the children of Israel. Let's go to Exodus 19 and 5. Because remember, brothers and sisters, it said the Most High is our husband. And then it said, remember the former things of old. Now, we're going to go to Exodus, brothers and sisters. We're going to Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. Why? Because in any wedding, any marriage, there's wedding vows, brothers and sisters. And we're going to use the Bible to illustrate those wedding vows. Exodus 19 and 5. Now, therefore, if you will be... Now, if you... Take your time, brother. Exodus 9, verse 5. 19, brother. 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Brothers and sisters, analyze that closely. Analyze this closely. If you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, covenant means agreement, brothers and sisters. The Most High looked at the old covenant as a marriage contract between himself and Israel. Covenant is an agreement or a contract, brothers and sisters. So here are the wedding vows. At our wedding on Mount Sinai, the groom and bride exchange vows. Examine this again. Read that again, brother, please. Exodus 19 and 5. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. Then what? Then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. See, so analyze that, brothers and sisters. A marriage was a contract complete with prenuptial agreements. Continue to read, brother. Exodus 19 and 6. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Read that again. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now the Most High is making his vow, brothers and sisters. See, so look at this. The Most High is saying, listen, if you follow me, if you uphold this covenant, you will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a peculiar treasure. We really need you to examine the Most High's vows here, brothers and sisters. See? Because why? There is prenuptial agreement also with this marriage. That means terms and conditions of what was expected and what would happen in case of infidelity, brothers and sisters. There are certain obligations that are mandated, and it's showing you that our righteousness, that will be our distinction from other nations, brothers and sisters. We're going to read 5 and 6 again. 
Exodus 19 and 5. Now therefore, if ye will obey, the, obey my voice, indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. Above all people. So don't tell me it doesn't matter who people are. Don't tell me that all people are equal. Get out of here with that mess. Not according to the Bible. People are not equal. That doesn't exist. That's some Babylonian madness. Because are, do we look equal right now? Are Edomites and, and Asians and everybody else over us right now? So it only, you know, it only doesn't matter when it's us. <laughs> when we say, listen, if we follow his laws, we'll be over people. Now we're racist. No, we're not racist. You're racist because you can't, uh, you can't view a, a person of color having any preeminence or, or any rulership. So really, who's the racist here? Read the next scripture, brethren. Exodus 19 and 6. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Unto who, brother? Unto the children of Israel. To the whole world. Unto the children of Israel. To the Hamites. Unto the children of Israel. To the Edomites. Unto the children of Israel. To the children of Israel. So don't tell us. doesn't matter who the children of Israel are because these are words which were spoken to the children of Israel. See? So if, you, if, you, if you're not concerned with who Israel is, you need to put our book down and back on up from it and go pick up a Quran or something. Because this record, this Bible, this compilation of records was to the children of Israel. So you can't tell these same people who've been destroyed, uh, who were promised to be a peculiar treasure, and a kingdom of priests that it doesn't matter who they are. You're actually against the Bible. You're not for the Bible. You're not for the Most High. You're against the Bible. So the children of Israel will learn today through the Bible that what the Most High have done for us, what he continues to do for us, and what shall be done. We showed you this was the Most High's wedding vow. And if you keep this agreement, I will place you above all people on the earth. For the earth is his. See? But also, you can't forget the prenup. What was the contractual obligation? Let's go to Leviticus, brother. We're going to go to Leviticus 26, brothers and sisters. We're going to start at verse 14. We're going to read through 17. Leviticus 26 and 14. The prenup. But if ye will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments. If you won't listen to me. And if ye shall despise my statutes. And if your soul abhor my judgments, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant. But what? But ye break my covenant. But what? But ye break my covenant. But that ye break my covenant, agreement, contract, marriage contract. Look at this, brothers and sisters. See? So now he's getting ready to illustrate what will transpire if you don't uphold your con contractual obligations. In this marriage. Let's read verse 16, Brother Wesley. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 16. I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and burning and burning ache, that thou shalt consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. Brothers and sisters, this particular point of obedience is especially interesting. Because it is, a, it is the first thing mentioned about our faithfulness to him. See, brothers and sisters? Faithfulness is being obedient to him. So if our behavior was deemed reprehensible and erroneous, 
there would be some level of castigation that would supersede. Read 16 again, brother. I, w- I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and burning ache that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. Read. And I will set my face against you. Read that again. And I will set my face against you. And ye shall be slain before your enemies, that they that hate you shall reign over you. Read that again. They that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth you. So look at that, brothers and sisters, which means we would always have, be scared, brothers and sisters. We would always feel like there's somebody against us, brothers and sisters. See? The, the people who reign over you shall hate you. See, brothers and sisters, now you don't think this is important for the children of Israel to know that the people reigning over them hates them? (laughs) But we're not talking about the regular people. We're talking about the governmental structure. Okay? You don't whip and beat and swing people on trees for people that you love. (laughs) Okay? So we really needed to show you. This was the prenup. This was the prenup here. Because the Most High gave his vow. You would be a peculiar treasure above the whole... The, the whole earth, if you follow me, if, you, if you're faithful, which is obedient, but if you don't, this is the repercussion. So this is showing that Israel's favor was conditional. These are the prenuptials, brothers and sisters. Now, let's see. Did Israel agree? Let's see. Let's go to Exodus 24 and 7, Brother Wesley. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Exodus 24, verse 7. And he took the book of the covenant. Read that again. And he took the book of the covenant. So he took this agreement. And read in the audience. And did what? And read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. They said what? And all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. So look at this, brothers and sisters. After we had heard all the conditions of the contract, we said, I do. And gladly accepted the marriage contract. See, brothers and sisters? Israel then exuberantly responded with our marriage vow saying, I do. Read it again, brother. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So, so look at this, brothers and sisters. Our marriage contract was cut and the vows or the contract was authenticated with blood. The blood of bulls was sprinkled in order to seal the deal, brothers and sisters. The blood made the contract effective or operable and binding. See, so we already committed. Verse 7 says, all that the Lord hath said, will we do? We said, I do. We said, we do. So look at this, brothers and sisters. This is the marriage. And if you don't understand who Israel is, or you're saying it doesn't matter who Israel is, then you're ignoring the beauty that's that's interwoven into the text about the relationship between the creator, the great I am, Ahaya, and his people, which are the children of Israel, Yasha'Allah. Let's go to Jeremiah 11 and 10, brother. Because now we've used the scripture to illustrate that we accepted this contract. We accepted this contract, brothers and sisters. What transpires next? We're going to look uh, Jeremiah 11 and 10. 
Jeremiah 11 and 10. They are turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers. Read that again. They are turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers, which refused to hear my word. So look, we began to operate within propriety. And they went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I have made with their fathers. They have broken the covenant. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Israel is the northern kingdom. Judah is the southern kingdom. Together they make Israel, brothers and sisters. So this is after the split. This is showing you we broke that covenant. We broke the marriage agreement, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother. Jeremiah eleven eleven. Therefore, thus said the Lord, Behold, I will bring, up, bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. See, so look at this, brothers and sisters. Once we began to operate with impropriety, we were unsuitable to represent the creator. See, so now he is bringing evil upon us to show you when we broke the covenant, what proceeded, what, what, what came next. <laughs> evil that we were unable to escape. That's why he said, we don't even consider. How long will you be stricken? Because your behavior towards your creator could change your circumstances. See? So once we became unfaithful, now he's allowing evil to just tear us apart. The same way in a traditional relationship, brothers and sisters. If a man or a woman is unfaithful, hey, then you deal with the repercussions of being unfaithful then. See? Let's go to Jeremiah 3 and 8, Brother Wesley. When you're sticking Jeremiah, just go over a few chapters. Jeremiah 3, verse 8. And I saw when for, uh, when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away. Read that again. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away. And what happened? And given her a bill of divorce. And what? And given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister... Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Divorcement. The Most High divorced Israel. Why? Because of our accelerating rebellion, the nation was, you know, divorce was in order. See? In his love for his people, God wants to spoil his children and do everything possible for them. But in his holy justice, he knows he must discipline us for our re refusal to obey him. See, so now he's done what? We He has divorced Israel. See, because why? The prenup said, if you don't, if you don't follow what you've agreed to, then there's repercussions for that. And that's what he's showing here, the bill of divorcement. See, brothers and sisters, you can't just come to God and say, you know, I love you, but I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and you know what? He should accept that because I'm giving it to him. That's what Cain tried, brothers and sisters. Cain tried to bring a sacrifice outside of what was allocated by the Most High. And the Most High said, get that out of my face. And Cain became angry because the Most High didn't accept his sacrifice. Why? Because it wasn't what the Most High said was acceptable. And that's what our people do. We go to church on Sunday and say, well, as long as I give him a day. We eat pork, crab, and shrimp, and lost and say, well, as long as you pray over it. What? No, you're divorced. Because why? You're not faithful to me. 
is what the Most High say. Read that one more time, brother. Jeremiah chapter, chapter 3, verse 8. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I have put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. See, so look at this, brothers and sisters. Now what has to happen? Now chastisement has to happen. Because why? That was the prenup. The prenup is if you don't hearken unto me, that certain things would come to pass. See, we agreed to this covenant, brothers and sisters. Our forefathers agreed to this covenant on the Mount Sinai. Let's go to Hebrews, brother. Let's go to Hebrews 12 and 6, because now comes the chastisement for breaking this marriage contract. Follow us, brothers and sisters. We're going to the New Testament. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourge every son with whom he receiveth. Read that again. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourge every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Read that again, brother. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he is who for time. what son is he? Whom the father chasteth not. So look at this, brothers and sisters. This is telling you we will be indemnified for our indiscretions, brothers and sisters. There will be appropriate compensation for our miscalculations. See? The Lord loveth who he chasteneth, and scourge every son whom he received. And if you endure that chastening, then the Most High will deal with us as his children. See, brothers and sisters? So that's why on the back end of that prenup said, I will allow terrorists to overtake you. I will allow those who hate you to rule over you. See, this is chastening, brothers and sisters. Why? Because you didn't keep the agreement. See, brothers and sisters? Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother, in the Apocrypha. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 16 and 12. Follow us, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus Chapter 16, verse 12. Ecclesiasticus 16 and 12. And his mercy is great. Read that again. And his mercy is great. As his mercy is great. As his mercy is great, so is his correction also. Read that again. As his mercy is great, so is his, so is his correction also. He judgeth a man according to his works. Look at that, brothers and sisters. See? As his mercy is great, so is his correction. So we must conduct ourselves with a certain level of decorum, a certain level of civility. Why? Because iniquity is a misrepresentation of the Most High. Now, everybody knows that a woman or wife is a representation of her husband. We are the representation of our God, of our husband, which is the Most High. See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. See? Yeah, he has mercy, but also he has correction. And this is the correction, brothers and sisters. See? Brother Wesley, let's go to Deuteronomy 8 and 5. Follow us to the Torah, brothers and sisters. A love story. Deuteronomy 8 and 5. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, 
so the Lord by God chases thee. See? So we stand in the same relation to the Most High as a son to a father. He loves us so much that despite the pain to us and despite the pain to himself watching us suffer, he will still correct us and instruct us. He will allow us to suffer the consequences of our actions to start to learn the end from the beginning, brothers and sisters. See, this is love with the Most High showing this discipline. Any person that have children understand this. Any person who ever been corrected by their mother and father understand this. Somebody who's now probably an adult that have gone back to their parents and say, I, I thank you, you know, for disciplining me. I thank you for putting that rod on my backside. Why? Because it kept me out of jail. It kept me from, you know, the grave. Because guess what, brothers and sisters, when you break God's law, guess what happens? That's a package deal. When you break his law, you got to deal with what comes after that, brothers and sisters. And when that euphoria finally ends, which it always does, you're usually unprepared to deal with the repercussions. And that's called what? That's called the law of unintended consequences, brothers and sisters. See? Read verse 5 again, brother, please. Deuteronomy 8 and 5. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. See? So we're showing you what has transpired and what has continued to happen is the Most High chastening us. Why? Because you'll come back to him saying, I need you, Father. I'm sorry. I apologize. I will never do it again. That's what he wants, brothers and sisters. This is exactly what he wants. Why? Because we broke the contract. We broke the covenant or the marriage agreement, brothers and sisters. See, when you get in a relationship with somebody, whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, or, you know, husband or wife or whatever the case may be, there's certain stipulations that you're expecting your counterpart to abide by in order to, you know, strengthen this relationship. You're not going to get in a relationship and then act like you're single. <laughs> and that's what we were doing. That's why the Bible continuously uses the word spiritual fornication when it comes to our people. Because we were just going a horn after other gods. We're going to go to Hosea. One and two. Let's go to Hosea, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Hosea one and two, brothers and sisters. Oh, excuse me. One second. Hosea one and two. The beginning of the word. Of the Lord by Hosea. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. We're going to use another illustration of God's amazing grace that's found in the story of the prophet Hosea. And the Lord said unto Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms. Read that again. Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom. Departing from the Lord. Look at this, brothers and sisters. A spiritual analogy of the Most High's relationship with Israel is what's going on right here in verse 2. Hosea receives a unusual instruction from the Most High. Read that again, brother. <clears throat> Go, take unto thee a wife, a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. Now, when it's speaking of land, it's speaking of the people of the land. What land? The children of Israel or Jerusalem. See? So it says, take thee a wife of whoredom. Whoredom indicates illicit sexual behavior, brothers and sisters. He's showing you 
the relationship that he have with us. He told Hosea, listen, I need you to go marry a whore, pretty much. A person who goes a whore and a prostitute who sleep with anyone. I need you to go do that because I need you to experience what I'm dealing with, with the people of Israel. See? Go to Hosea 3 and 1, brother. Hosea, Hosea 3 and 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord towards the children of Israel, who, who look to other gods and love flagon, flagons of wine. So examine his brothers and sisters. So of course he marries the woman, and the woman goes off a horn. And what happens? He separates from her. Read the whole story of Hosea, brothers and sisters. I encourage you. It's not a long book. She goes a horn. And the Most High gives Hosea strict instructions. We'll see. Give us. Go to. Read one again, brother. Hosea 3 and 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend. And yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord towards the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So look at this, brothers and sisters. He's saying, go love somebody who love other, you know, who's an adulteress. The same way the Most High is illustrating <laughs> how he feels about us. Hosea's grace towards his unfaithful wife is a model of God's grace towards his unfaithful people. So look at this. She's already gone off, had children. <laughs> out of wedlock and, and all types of stuff. And the Most High is telling him, go get her. Hosea 3 and 2. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver. Read that again. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and a half a homer of barley. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Look at this here. Hosea has to pay a rather hefty price indeed to purchase his wife, Gomer, back. So look at this. She's already gone a horn, <laughs> had children. And look at what, what's going on here. I bought her for 15 pieces of silver. Look at this. This Look at this here closely. Imagine this, brothers and sisters. A sister or a, a man that's gone and, and dealt with other outside of the parameters of the relationship and then, you know, come to you and say, well, I need my bills paid. <laughs> You're like, well, that sounds like a personal problem to me. Look at what's going on here. The Most High is illustrating his relationship towards us through Hosea's relationship. She's already gone off. You can read chapter two. She's already gone off, had children elsewhere, is somewhere else. And the Most High said, go back and get her. Read that one more time, brother. <clears throat> Verse 2. Uh, Hosea 3 and 2. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and half a homer of barley. Read. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. Prior to restoring her to intimacy, a period of purification and testing will be necessary. Read that again. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. See, so it's telling you, thou shalt abide for me many days. You're going to wait for me, and you're not going to deal with any other men. You shall not play the harlot, and you shall not be for another man. But guess what? I'm not dealing with you right now. 
we're not going to be intimate right now. You're going to prove to me that I, you know, that you're worthy of my intimacy. That's what's going on here, brothers and sisters. So prior to the intimacy, there was a period of purification, which is what we're dealing with now, brothers and sisters. See, this is what's going on now. Before the Most High can receive us back, we have to be cleansed and tested. The same way Hosea was dealing with this woman, with his wife here. He said, thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. So what he's saying is, you're not going to be intimate with me and you're not going to be intimate with anyone else for a period of time. To see, can I trust her? Read verse 2, brother. So I brought, I brought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and a half a homer of barley. So I need you to examine this, brothers and sisters. In Hosea, the Most High pursues and redeems his estranged wife and seeks to continue his relationship with her. Because when we're reading Hosea's story, it's evident there's a correlation between the Most High's relationship with us and what's transpiring in Hosea. Both stories provide an unforgettable picture of God's strong, unending love for his covenant people. This extraordinary expression of love reflects of how God loved Israel. There was a hefty price that was to be paid here. Read two one more time, brother. <clears throat> Hosea 3 and 2. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and half a homer of barley. Right. So stick there, brothers and sisters. I need you to stick right there. Look at this price that had to be paid to receive his wife, the one he loved, back. Examine it. The key part here. It's Hosea 3 and 2, where it tells you he bought her for a hefty price after she's already transgressed and forsaken the contract, the marriage contract. Because why? The Most High had to pay a price to get us back a hefty price. Go to 1 Peter, brother. I'm going to go to 1 Peter 1 and 18. I need you to examine something because we're showing you the correlation between what? Between Hosea and the Most High's relationship with the children of Israel. Read 1 Peter 1 and 18, brother. 1 Peter 1 and 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your feigned conversation received by the tradition from your father. So look at this, brothers and sisters. For as much as ye know you were not redeemed with corruptible things, not silver and gold. So... We just read that what? Hosea paid corruptible things. The Most High paid a, a, a higher price. Read that one more time, brother. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers. Read. But with the precious blood of Christ. But with what? But with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, so that's the price that the Most High paid was his son, the blood of his son. See, so see the see the correlation, brothers and sisters. Hosea paid a hefty price for an unfaithful woman. The Most High paid a hefty price for an unfaithful nation, and that was the blood of his son Christ, an unblemished lamb. See, so in the end of, you know, in the end, as Hosea's story illustrates. God chooses to redeem, to buy back his bride, and at quite a cost, brothers and sisters. 
Now, one thing you have to understand is value is determined by sacrifice, brothers and sisters. Where there's no sacrifice, there's no value. You determine the value by what you're willing to sacrifice in exchange for. If a brother or a sister is having a yard sale and I go up and I say, well, oh, okay, you got a CD player here. I'll give you nothing for it. That means it have no value because I'm not willing to give up anything for it. So we have to be very careful, brothers and sisters. We have to be very careful on what we spend on, what we sacrifice for. Because what you're willing to sacrifice is determining the value of something in particular, brothers and sisters. Okay? Some people are spending $1,000 on a phone. Look at that. That's time. That's You worked probably 100 hours <laughs> for that $1,000 for a phone. So that shows you the value it holds to you. See? Because value is determined by what you will sacrifice. Some people will sacrifice 100 hours to get some shoes. Or whatever the case may be, brothers and sisters. See? So this shows you the ultimate sacrifice was his son, which shows you how much the Most High values us, brothers and sisters. See? He gave up precious blood of Christ in exchange for us, brothers and sisters, to show you how much he valued the children of Israel. And we want to, you know, we want to push that point because our people sometimes... I've heard people say there's no there's there's little to no evidence of God within our nation, within our communities. And that's not the case. You just your vision is not clear because he didn't send his son to die for everybody else. He sent his son to redeem us, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we were the one that were divorced, brothers and sisters. We were the one that had the law of sacrifice. Gentiles didn't have that. We had that law. So guess what? A death had to take place, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Jeremiah 31 and 31, Brother Wesley. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. We're dealing with the love story here. Jeremiah 31 and 31. Behold, the days come, said the Lord. When it says the days are coming, says the Lord, what Jeremiah prophesied as the most high faithful messenger was not yet present in his day, brothers and sisters. Behold, the days come, said the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So now a new marriage contract, because why? We've already broken the oath, the oath and been divorced. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, Although I was an husband unto them, said the Lord. Although what? Although I was a, an husband unto them. See, so look at this, brothers and sisters. It's telling you there would be a future covenant, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers, in the day which I took them by the hand, brought us out of Egypt. That covenant which we broke. It says, although I was a husband unto them. So, brothers and sisters, this, sh this shows us that there would be some preliminary work that would be needed before this could be accomplished. Now the question is, what would a, what would be the establishment of this new marriage contract or this new covenant, brothers and sisters? Matthew twenty six and twenty eight will, will will illustrate what the establishment was of this new marriage, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Matthew twenty six and twenty eight, brothers and sisters. 
Matthew 26 and 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament. Testament and covenant are the same word, brothers and sisters. Which is shed for the many for the remission of sins. See? For this is my blood of the New Testament or covenant. Old covenant, new covenant. The same exact word, brothers and sisters. The same exact meaning. When we read in previously in what? First Peter. That the price that was pay, paid was Christ's blood. Now he's saying here that this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. See, brothers and sisters. So it's showing you what what would start this new covenant, the New Testament. It would be the blood of Christ. That's why, you know, Jeremiah said the day will come. It wasn't there yet, but it was coming. Because why? Because why? Christ's blood would signify the beginning of this new marriage contract, brothers and sisters. Without any shadow of a doubt. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, brother. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39. This is critical. Analyze this, brothers and sisters. The wife is bound by the law. As long as her husband liveth. But if her husband is be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. See, so look at this, brothers and sisters. We were married. So, <coughs> excuse me. We were married, brothers and sisters. In the Old Testament, if a woman was divorced, she could not marry again. If once she was married, she could not marry again. Unless the husband died, then she was freed from that that uh, covenant. So what happened? Who was our husband? The Most High was our husband. Who came as a representation of the Most High? Christ. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See? So Christ came and died, which freed us up to be married again. And guess what? His resurrection now allows us to be married again. He died, brothers and sisters. And in death, that covenant of marriage is what? Is voided. If the husband die, read it again, brother. First <clears throat> uh, Corinthians seven thirty nine, the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. What law? The law of marriage. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be re- to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. See, so the Most High already had law in place that we could not marry again unless <laughs> there was a death. So look at how the Most High is not breaking his own laws, but he's making a way to get us back. <laughs> he's making a way. He said, you know what? There's only one way that you can be remarried after your divorce as a, as a wife. And that's if the husband died. I have to send my son to shed his blood on the heavenly tabernacles to allow them to be remarried without breaking my own law. So I really need you to examine closely here what the Most High has been doing for us, brothers and sisters. He could have just said, you know what, I'm done with you. You, you, you know, you're dealing with all these other gods, spiritual fornication. Hey, man, I'm out of here. You go deal with that. You deal with them. But no, the Most High paid a hefty price to what? To get us back, brothers and sisters. Go to Hosea chapter 11, brother. We're going to read one through nine. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we encourage you to go read Hosea because Hosea's tumultuous marriage 
illustrates the children of Israel with the Most High God and how our relationship has been. Hosea 2, verse 1. No, Hosea 11. Hosea 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Look at this here, brothers and sisters. I need you to examine something closely here. Why? Because Hosea's tumultuous marriage is a powerful testimony to two things. Our own tendency to be unfaithful to the Most High, but also the Most High's passionate love for us. Read that one more time, brother, please. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. And they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burned incense to graven images. So the Most High, when we were a child, when we were a baby, why? Because we, was, we wasn't a nation initially when we went into to, uh, Egypt, brothers and sisters. We went in 70 souls. We came out. So when we were a child in our youth as a nation, look at this. He called us out of Egypt. Read verse 3, brother. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. So look at this, brothers and sisters. Look at this. This is illustrating God's tender love. Why? Because it says taking them by the arm. The picture is of a parent teaching a child how to walk by holding a child's arms. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. Continue. I drew them with the cords of a man, with the bands of love, and I was to them as they take off the yoke of, on their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. So Ephraim is, is who? Ephraim is the king tribe or the, the head of the northern kingdom. Now, when the 12 tribes were together, Judah is king over both. But when the, when the kingdom split, which was predominantly the native and Hispanic tribes, Ephraim was going to be the head. They were the head of the Hispanic and native tribes. So the Bible is showing you the Most High's tender love towards Israel. Read verse Read three again, brother. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. I drew them with cords of a man with bands of love, and I was to them as they that take off the yoke on their jaws, and I laid I laid meat unto them. Take your time, brother. Hosea eleven verse five. He shall not return into the land of Egypt. But the Assyrians shall be his king because they refuse to return. Read. And the sword shall abide on his cities and shall consume his branches and devour them because of their own counsels. So what's what's being illustrated here? This this is showing the Most High's strict hand towards Israel. Why? Because empty profession brings the chastening of God, brothers and sisters. See, it says the sword shall abide on his cities, being taken down brothers and sisters, by the sword of the Assyrians. Read. And my people are bent to backsliding from me. Tell them what scripture you're at, brother. Hosea 11, Hosea chapter 11, verse 7. And my people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the Most High, none of none at all would exalt him. So look at this, brothers and sisters, that empty profession. See, so because of that, there have to be a there have to be judgment, there have to be chastening, which is when we went into 
captivity with the Assyrians, brothers and sisters. So I need you to examine this closely here. Read verse 8, brother. Hosea chapter 11, verse 8. How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How what? How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as Zobium? My heart is turned within me. My repenting are candle together. So the Most High said, how can I give you up? How can I give you up? You've been unfaithful, but I can't seem to let you go. Look at this. I, I really need you to see the Most High's sympathy in the midst of chastening us, brothers and sisters. He said, how shall I give thee up, Ephraim? Which is the head of the northern kingdom. How shall I give you up? How shall I deliver thee? Read verse 9, brother. Hosea chapter 11, verse 9. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. Read that again. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim. For I am and not man, the Holy One in the midst of thee. And I will not enter into the city. So look at this, brothers and sisters. It said, how, verse 8 says, how shall I give thee up? And then verse 9 tells you, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. So while the message is much the same, the metaphor is different, brothers and sisters. Because it's not marriage this time, but parenting. See? This metaphor, too, is full of poignancy and power. Because the Most High is saying, I should wipe you away. But I can't seem to let you go. I just can't seem to let you go. Now, what's critical here is verse 8, brothers and sisters, because I think you may have missed something. Read Hosea 11 and 8, brother. Take your time. Hosea chapter 11, verse 8. How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee, Adma? Look at this. How shall I make thee as Adma, brothers and sisters? Remember Adma. How shall I set thee as Zobium? Now look at this. How shall I set thee as Zobium? Now who is Adma in, Z in, in, Z in Zobium, brothers and sisters? See? Because if you don't know who that is, then this will get away from you. This will be elusive in understanding. Let's go to Deuteronomy 29 and 23. He said, how shall I make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as Zeboim or, or Zobium? Look at this, brothers and sisters. Deuteronomy 29. And 23. Deuteronomy 29 verse 23. And that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning that is not sown nor beareth nor beareth nor any grass groweth therein like the overthrown of Sodom and Gomorrah Adma and Zobiah. Look at that. See? So look at that. Adma and Tobiam, brothers and sisters, were lands within Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> See? He said, I can't, I can't make you like Adma and Zobiam. I, I How can I give you up? That's what the Most High is saying. Look at this, brothers and sisters. When really, this is what we deserve. We deserve fire and brimstone. But the love of the Most High is so great that he withheld his fierce anger. As verse 9 in Hosea 11 tell us, brothers and sisters. Read 23 again, brother. And that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning. That is it, not sown, nor beareth, 
nor any grass groweth therein, like the overthrown of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adamah, and Zobim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. See, so now it makes sense, Hosea 11 and 8, when he says, I can't make thee as Adma and Zobim. See, because why? He overthrew them. He, he, he rained down fire and brimstone and melted the earth. See, so look at this, brothers and sisters. The Most High would have been, you know, well within his right to destroy us. But he has a longing to make us his wife, brothers and sisters, to the point where he would sacrifice his only son to do what? To redeem us, brothers and sisters. See, this is a love letter. This is a love story here, brothers and sisters. This is mercy here. See, and men understand this. You're in a relationship, a woman or, you know, your girlfriend do something that, you know, you don't agree with and probably flat out wrong. And you're like, you know what? Okay. Okay. I'll get over that. You know, don't do that again. But, you know, I'll forgive that. That's mercy. Why? Because you love that person. Because guess what? If somebody else would have did what she did, there would have been no mercy <laughs> more than likely. See? So we're showing you something here. You need to really analyze this closely, brothers and sisters. Brother Wesley, read Isaiah 49, 14 through 18, brother, please. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 14. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me. Why? Because our people, I've heard our people say there's no evidence of God within our community, amongst our people, amongst black people. There is no evidence of God. All the things that's going on in our communities. So Zion is who? Zion is the children of Israel. It's another name for Israelites. It says Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me. The Most High hath forgotten me. Read verse 15, brother. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on her son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Brothers and sisters, examine this powerful literature. Why? Because the prophet uses the image of the nursing mother to describe God's compassion for Israel. Read 15 one more time, brother. Isaiah 49, verse 15. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. See, so the Most High's affection for Israel is greater than the devotion of a woman and a newborn and an infant, brothers and sisters. It says, can a woman forget her sucking child? She may. She may forget. The Most High will not forget. Look at that, brothers and sisters. This is powerful literature here. Read verse 16, brother. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Read that again. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Look at that, brothers and sisters. When it says, I have graven thee on the palms of my hands, that means we're written in his hands. He could not open them or he could do no act without being reminded of Israel in the palm of his hands. You can't grab anything, lift anything, turn a doorknob without your palm being out. Thy walls are continually before me. Read Isaiah 49 and 17, brother. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 17. Thy children shall make haste. 
thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 18. Lift up thine eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to thee, as I live, said the Lord. Thou shalt surely clothe thee with them at them all, as with the ornament, and bind thee them on thee as a bride doeth. So look at this, brothers and sisters. These scriptures show how near and dear we are to the Most High, what affection he has for us. And on that day, the Most High will prove himself the stronghold for his people. Verse 17 says, The children shall make haste, thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. So look at this, brothers and sisters. A paradigm shift is going on here. See? So a paradigm shift is transpiring right before our eyes, brothers and sisters, where those who destroyed us will now be needing us, brothers and sisters. Read verse 18 again, brother. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 18. Lift up thine eyes around about, and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to thee as I live, said the Lord. Thou shalt surely clothe thee with them. We shall all. clothe ourselves with them. As with an ornament and bind them on thee as a bride doeth. So look at this, brothers and sisters. <laughs> they will be utilized for our benefit, brothers and sisters. We really need you to, to, to examine this here. Let's go, to, let's go back to Hosea, brother. Let's go to Hosea chapter 2, verse 7. I need you to follow us closely, brothers and sisters. Hosea chapter 2, verse 7. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. This is speaking of Israel. It's also speaking of Hosea's wife. But we know Hosea's relationship is a representation of what's going on with us, brothers and sisters. Read 7 again, brother. Hosea chapter 2, verse 7. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. I will what? I will go and return to my first husband. For then was it better with me than now. See, look at this. Here the prophet wishes to vividly illustrate Israel's spiritual disloyalty. Brothers and sisters, we grossly violated the law and frequently went after strange gods. See, so, but it's showing you here what a constant struggle. It was always a constant struggle to get the Hebrews to maintain a semblance of fidelity. It says we shall go after other lovers and we'll never be able to overtake them. We shall seek for them and never find them. Why? Because we can't serve these other gods better than the other nations are serving their own gods. See? If you go to be a Muslim, guess what? You're beneath the Arabs. The Arabs are now teaching you. If you go to be a Buddhist, guess what? The Asians are now teaching you. <laughs> See? The only way for your preeminence is to go back to your first husband. Read it again, brother, please. Hosea chapter 2, verse 7. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better with me than now. See, and that's going on now. That's prophecy. We will go back to our father. We will go back to our husband, the great I am, as Exodus 3 and 14 tell us. 
I am that I am. Ahaya, Asha, Ahaya. We would go back. We would find out where Israel would say, hold on. Ever since we've been breaking his laws, ever since Sunday worship and Christmas, ever since pork and crab, it appears that we have been going downhill. Let me go back to what I was founded on. Let me go back to that covenant where Israel said, I do with the Most High. See, this is what's going on now. You have Israelites waking up all over the earth. Brothers and sisters, the majority of people probably listening to this broadcast have seen brothers on corners somewhere in these in these inner cities with fringes hanging from their garments. See, there's awakening that's taking place here, brothers and sisters. We're going back to our first husband. See, because it was better then than it is now. See, brothers and sisters. Go to Baruch, brother. Baruch chapter four. Verse 13. We're going to the Apographer, brothers and sisters. Please follow us there. Please follow us to Baruch chapter 4, verse 13. Baruch chapter 4, verse 13. They knew not his statutes, nor walked in the ways of his commandments, nor trod in the paths of the discipline in his righteousness. Read that again. Baruch chapter 4, verse 13. They knew not his statutes, nor walked in the ways of his commandments, nor trod in the paths of discipline and his righteousness. Baruch chapter 4, verse 14. Let them that dwell about Zion come, and remember ye the captivity of my sons and daughters. And do what? And remember ye the captivity of my sons and daughters, which the everlasting have brought upon them. Which what? Which the everlasting has brought upon them. Look at that, brothers and sisters. See, this is why we don't blame the white man. <laughs> which the everlasting have brought upon them. See, you've given the white man too much credit. See? The Most High allowed this to happen. He brought them to us. See, you're giving them way too much credit. You're not that strong. Okay? You can't do anything to me that I don't allow. I allowed this. We allowed this by doing what? Verse 13. Read it again, brother. Baruch chapter 4 verse 13 They knew not his statutes nor walked in the ways of his commandments nor trod in the paths of discipline in his righteousness Baruch chapter 4 verse 14 Let them that dwell about Zion come and remember ye the captivity of my sons and daughters which the everlasting have brought upon them Read Baruch chapter 4 verse 15 for he hath brought a nation upon them from afar, a shameless nation, and of strong of a strong language. Of a what? Of a strong language. Of a strange, a strange language. language. Brother, take your time here. <clears throat> For he has brought uh, brought a nation upon them from from far, a shameless nation, and of a strange language, who neither reverenced the old man nor pitied the child. Now, brothers and sisters, a couple of things are working here. Look at this. It says, let them that dwell about Zion come and remember ye the captivity of my sons and daughters. Look at this. So it's showing you we would come to the realization that our persecution came subsequent to our carelessness, brothers and sisters. That heinous acts of persecution and brutalization perpetuated ensued as a result of our negligence. See? So now we remember the captivity. We remember what led which the everlasting have brought upon us. 
He brought a nation from far, a shameless nation of a strange language. Did we understand Edomites? Did we understand white people when they came and put us on those ships? No. Neither reverenced old man or pitied the child. I didn't care how old you were. See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. This is how you go from captivity to freedom. By coming to that realization of what led us here, brothers and sisters. Read verse 15 again, brother. Baruch, chapter 4, verse 15. For he had brought a nation upon them from far, a shameless nation, and of a strange language, who neither reverenced the old man nor pitied child. Read. Baruch, chapter 4, verse 16. These have carried away the dear beloved children of the widow, and left her that was alone desolate without daughters. See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. Look at this. This is what we must be teaching our people. See, for somebody to say it doesn't matter who Israel is, how am I going to remember a captivity of Israel if I don't know I'm Israel? See? So I don't care how nice somebody is. If they're saying it doesn't matter who Israel is, and well, God love everybody, they're being controlled by a devil, brothers and sisters, straight off. Because how are you going to tell a people who need redemption, a people who need freedom, it doesn't matter who they are. You're working for the devil, whether you know it or not. Whether you know it or not, you're being controlled in teaching the doctrine of a devil. Because the Bible says, remember the captivity that the Most High brought upon you. This is speaking to Israelites. You must know you're an Israelite first to see how any of these scriptures that we use today... It's in correlation with you. See? All these scriptures about the, the marriage between the Most High and Israel and people saying it don't matter who Israel is. What are you using the Bible for? A, yeah, that's what they're doing. They're using it for a prop. These pastors are using the Bible for the prop. They be, you know, giving, uh, you know, motivational speeches. Bible be closed all the way on the other side of the room where they giving, you know, what happened when they was young. I'm like, brother, I mean, <laughs> we didn't come here for that. We came here for scriptures, brother. We didn't come here for, you know, your testimony every, you know, every Sunday. Just get to the scriptures, brother. You don't think it's important that our people understand why we were put on slave ships? I don't know a black man alive who didn't ask himself that at one time, probably in his youth. And the Christian churches don't have the answers. See? The scripture previous said what? We would go back to our first husband. What's the first step of going back to your first husband? We're reading it right here, brothers and sisters. See, this is from captivity to freedom here. Go to Jeremiah chapter 50, brother. Follow us, brothers and sisters. We're going to Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 4 and 5. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 4. In those days and in that time, said the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping. Doing what? Going and weeping. They shall go and seek the Lord their God. They shall what? Go and seek the Lord their God. Read. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 5. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come. And let us join ourselves to the Lord. Saying what? Come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. So look at that, brothers and sisters. 
See? An epiphany, a self-discovery that genuine repentance could exonerate us. See? That's what's going on now. But that can't take place if you don't know who Israel is or you're saying it doesn't matter. See? It does matter. Read verse 4 again, please. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 4. In those days and in that time, said the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping. They shall go and seek the Lord their God. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 5. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come, and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. Let us join ourselves to the Most High in a perpetual marriage agreement that shall not be forgiven, uh, forgotten. Excuse me. See, brothers and sisters? Read the next scripture, brother. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6. My people have been lost sheep. Read that again. My people have been lost sheep. We have been lost sheep. Why? Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. Because what? Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. The same teachers that are saying it doesn't matter. You can eat pork. Just pray over it. You can celebrate Christmas. I know it's pagan. I know it's not his birthday. Well, it doesn't matter who the Israelites are. See? Read it again from the top, brother. Verse 6. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. They have what? They have forgotten their resting place. See, we don't even know where rest is, brothers and sisters. See? So you, let me go be a Buddhist. Let me go be a Baptist. Let me go be a Christian. Let me go be a holy roller. Let me go be a Mormon. Let me be a, uh, you know. Let me be a Muslim. See this one. Let me be a Buddhist. No rest. Why? Because the shepherds have caused them to go astray, brothers and sisters. That's why. The shepherds going to have the answer. Listen. If you're sitting in that seat, you're responsible for what's coming out of your mouth. Because you're the reason why the people don't know they're the children of Israel. You're the reason that people are not following the law. Because you're saying Christ did away with the law. And you try to go into Paul to make your point. When Paul never said the law was done away with. Only law that's done away with, brothers and sisters, is the law of sacrifice. We don't go kill animals for sin. That's the only part of the law. Everything else stands, brothers and sisters. See? So these scriptures are showing what? An epiphany of self-discovery. Of what we can do to exonerate us. See? Go to Isaiah 51 and 21, brother. Please. Take your time here. Follow us, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 51 and 21. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 21. Therefore, hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, but not with wine. Look at this, brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Overcome and prostrate, but not under the influence of intoxicating drink. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 22. Thus says the, thy Lord, thy, says thy Lord, and thy God, that pleadeth the cause of his people. That what? Pleadeth the cause of his people. He who has fought against thee is now reconciled to thee. Behold, I have taken out thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt not, shall no more... 
drink it again. Take your time, brother. Take your time. Brothers and sisters, I need you to examine the scripture closely. It says, the Most High will take out of our hand the cup of tremble. So look at this. Read it again, brother, please. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 22. Thus saith thy Lord, thy, thy God, that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again. He's taken away, brothers and sisters, that judgment towards us. And where is it going? Read verse 23, brother, please. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 23. But I will put it into the hand of them that afflicted thee, which have said to thy soul, bow down, that we may go over. Look at this, brothers and sisters. The pitiful description of Israel's condition in the previous three verses is followed here by a dramatic change. See, so now it would turn, you know, now it would be the turn of our brutal oppressors to drink the dreadful cup of the Most High's vengeance. See, so the object of the prophet is to console us here. Read 23 again, brother. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 23. But I will put it into the hand of them that afflict thee. Which have said to thy soul, Bow down, that we may go over, and thou hast laid thy body as the ground, and as the street to them that went over. So look at that. This is a striking description of the pride of our conquerors. See? It said, Bow down so I can step over you. <laughs> Lay your body straight to the ground so I can walk on top of you. Look at this. So we've been utterly humbled, brothers and sisters. See? So there's a role reversal, a paradigm shift that's getting ready to take place once you realize your behavior is what led to this. This scripture links flawlessly with the first scripture we read. Israel doeth not consider, an ox and an ass know its master. How long shall you be stricken, Israel? See? So you must acknowledge first that your behavior has led to your circumstance and then I can send the most high can send some relief see but not until you admit and understand and comprehend what you did to lead to this this is the God we serve this is the God we came into a marriage contract with brothers and sisters this is a role reversal go to Proverbs 21 and 18 brother please Proverbs chapter 21, verse 18. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous. Read that again. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the transgressor for the upright. So look at this, brothers and sisters. He will save the righteous by sacrificing our wicked enemies. It says the wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous. See? So the wicked shall be brought into those troubles which were designed by wicked men against the righteous. Look at this. Read that again, brother. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 18. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the transgressors for the upright. See? Go to Proverbs 11 and 8, brother. Follow us, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 8. The righteous is delivered out of trouble. Read that again. The righteous is delivered out of trouble. And the wicked cometh in his stead. Look at that. The Lord will pluck the righteous out of trouble and put the wicked in our place, brothers and sisters. 
See? So the Most High redirects his judgment and trouble against wicked men. That's what we were reading. He will take out of our hand the cup of his fury and turn it on those who sit bow down so I can walk on top of you. See? Because guess what? If we're faithful to him, he will protect us. But there's no protection that come with you dealing with, you know, spiritual fornication. <laughs> the same way it is in, you know, in, in regular life. A woman that you made a covenant with or a man and, and they, you know, they sleeping with the whole community. You're not going to go out there and, and, you know, and defend them. Why would you? That's foolish. You say, hey, man, you know, whatever that you got going on, you deal with the repercussions of that because you left my house. You left my head. You left my protection. So some of the people you've been sleeping around with, have them protect you. See? Same thing. You come back to him. He will protect us. Brothers and sisters. Go to Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 8. We're going to the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. Follow us to the Apocrypha. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 8. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 8. They shall judge the nations. Read that again. They shall judge the nations and have dominion over the people. And their Lord shall reign forever. Brothers and sisters, the term judge is used in a broader <laughs> Excuse me. The word judge here, it says, read it one more time, brother. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 8. They shall judge the nations and have dominion over the people, and their Lord shall reign forever. So when you look at that word judge, it's often equivalent to a ruler, brothers and sisters. So we will have the honor of judging rebellious nations. And guess what? The judgment will be in accord with the Most High's written word. See? So things are getting ready to turn over because who's judging now? Who are the judges? Who are the lawyers? Who are the ones creating legislation? See? Read that one more time, brother. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 8. They shall judge the nations and have dominion over the people, and their Lord shall reign forever. See? So in our rule with Christ, we will have positions of great authority, brothers and sisters. See? How, how can somebody say this isn't important? How can somebody say, well, you know, all people, you know, God love all people. <laughs> See? See, brothers and sisters, it does matter who Israel is. Anybody telling you otherwise is a deceiver. Straight off, whether they know it or not. They shouldn't be teaching anything. Let's go to Psalms, brother. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 149. We're going to read 6 through 9. Follow us there, brothers and sisters. Please. Psalms 149, 6 through 9. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen. To do what? To execute vengeance upon the heathen. Executing the purposes of the Most High on his enemies. There should be a filling and language of praise. That's why I said, look, it said... Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. So while inflicting punishment on the enemies of God, we should chant his praises, brothers and sisters. See? Read it again from the top, brother. Psalms 149 and 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. 
to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Read that again. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. So brothers and sisters, when it says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth in a two-edged sword to execute judgment upon the heathen and punishment upon the people, we must be under the consciousness that we are mere instruments in the hand of God to accomplish his purpose. So to subdue our enemies corporally and spiritually, that's what it's showing here. Let praise be in thy mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. So the vengeance spoken of here was not Israel's vengeance, but the Most High's vengeance, brothers and sisters. And that's critical that Israelites understand that. See, so we were to inflict punishment upon them as recompense for their sins. This is a future prophecy. And Israel must understand that because we're not going to be like how, you know, we say Edomite police are now. You just want to be an authority so you can slam my head up on the ground. See, because our people will try to go there and do the same thing. See, you just want to be in a position to slam a Gentile. You're not about you're not even, you don't even care about executing proper justice of the most high. You just want to be able to, to hurt a Gentile and get away with it. So don't think that, you know. That you're going to get away with it, but then you'll call to the forefront, you know, the evil of a Gentile. And then you'll hide behind these same scriptures out of anger and hatred. We're going to execute judgment, not out of anger or hatred. We're going to execute judgment because it's written in the law. There's a difference. And we need our people to understand that. It's not your vengeance. It's the most high's vengeance. Okay? That's critical. And if you don't understand that, you won't be inflicting any judgment. You're going to be a recipient of some judgment, whether you're Israel or not. Because why? It's dangerous to do the right thing for the wrong reason. That's dangerous. The Bible talk about that all throughout Scripture. You can never get the right result from doing the wrong thing, brothers and sisters. You you shouldn't be trusted to deal, you know to deal out punishment. Why? Because you're untrustworthy. You're doing it out of hatred. That's why I said, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. See? So I need you to really examine that, brothers and sisters. Go to Ecclesiasticus 4 and 15, Brother Wesley, in the Apocrypha. Take your time here. A love story, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus chapter 4, verse 15. Whoso giveth ear unto her shall judge the nations. Read that again. Whoso giveth ear unto her shall judge the nations. And he that attended unto her shall dwell securely. So look at this. Her is who? The wisdom of the Most High, which is the Holy Spirit. So our attendance to God's laws of morality will act as our validation to be elected as judges, brothers and sisters. We must be conscientious of his regulations. Read that again, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 4, verse 15. Whoso giveth ear unto her shall judge the nations, and he that attendeth unto her shall dwell securely. See, so, so our submission has to be preliminary to our exaltation, brothers and sisters. Our qualifications rest in our obedience. See, the Moses said, listen, if you acknowledge why you're in this condition, repent from that, you can be exonerated. And guess what? That marriage contract that said, you will be a peculiar people above all nations on the earth. Stands. See? But what? There's a prenup. 
If you don't hearken unto him, then you'll deal with the repercussions of being disobedient, brothers and sisters. This is a love story, brothers and sisters. We've illustrated when that marriage took place, the vows that was exchanged, the prenup. And we've used scripture and, you know, the book of Hosea to illustrate the tumultuous relationship that sometimes Israel have with their husband. Let's go to 2nd Ezra chapter 6 verse 55. Follow us here, brothers and sisters. Second Ezra, chapter chapter six, verse fifty-five. All this have I spoken before thee, O Lord, because thou madest the world for our sake. Read that again, brother. All this have I spoken before thee, O Lord, because thou hast madest the world for our sake. The Most High made the world for the children of Israel. And as for the other people, which also come of Adam. Thou hast said that they are nothing. They are what? They are nothing. But be like unto spittle, and has likened the abundance of them unto a drop that falleth from a vessel. When it says like unto spittle, which means something you could lose, in, <laughs> and it takes, it, you know, it, it takes nothing away from you. You could just spit on the ground, and it really doesn't matter. See? So look at what's going on here. The Most High is saying, I created the earth for Israel. And as for the other people that came from Adam, they're, they're nothing concerning when it says they're nothing. Of course, there's something. But concerning prophecy, it has nothing to do with them. Every prophecy is being dictated based on the children of Israel. That's what the, when the Bible says there as nothing. When you go into these scriptures, these prophecies have everything to do with Israel, not other people. The only other people that's in the Bible are the ones that are dealing with Israel. That's what he's showing you. So this has to be brought out to the circumcision. They need to understand the value that the Most High viewed them with. Because we already determined what? You determine value by what you will sacrifice. And he gave up the greatest sacrifice. A sacrifice none of us will be willing to do. See? Read, read it from the top, brother. 55. 2nd Ezra, chapter 6, verse 55. All this have I spoken before thee, O Lord. Because thou have made us the world for our sakes. As for the other people which also come of Adam, thou hast said that they are nothing but be unto spittle, and has likened the abundance of them unto a drop that falleth from a vessel. Read. And now, O Lord, behold, these heathen which have ever been reputed as nothing have begun to be lords over us. And to devour us. See, so he's saying, well, if you send you created the earth for us, why are these other people who you regard as nothing uh, being lords over us? Read, brother. Second Ezra chapter 6, verse 58. But we, thy people, whom thou hast called thy firstborn, thy only begotten, and thy fervent lover, are given into their hands. If the world now be made for our sakes. Read that again. If the world be... But the world now be made for our sakes. Why do we not possess an inheritance with the world? How long shall this endure? See, he's saying, listen, if you created the earth for me, why do we not possess it? Why don't we have the rulership that you, you said we would have? The question, why, is answered with, we must operate with the spirit of propriety and efficacy. We must conduct ourselves with decency before. See, you can't receive, you know, 
this world that was created for you until you understand how you need to conduct yourself. See, you must be humble. You must be obedient. And if you can't deal with that, then you'll continue to be under these heathens. When we say heathens, that means people who follow no law. They eat whatever they want, sleep with whoever they want, celebrate whatever they want. That's a heathen, according to the Bible. You don't follow any laws. You do whatever you want to do. We're not heathens. We are a people of law. Let's go to Psalms 147 and 19, brethren. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Psalms chapter 147, verse 16. 19. Oh, oh. Psalms verse 147, verse 19. He showeth his word unto Jacob. His statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He have not dealt so with any nation. He showed his word unto Jacob. His statutes and judgments unto Israel. So he only showed his word to Israel, brothers and sisters. See? Re read it again, brother, please. Psalms chapter 147, verse 19. He showeth his word unto Jacob. His statue and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation. W read that again. He hath not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. See? So look at that, brothers and sisters. He only gave his word to Israel. He didn't give it to any other nations. He didn't give it to the Arabs. He didn't give it to the Africans. He didn't give it to the white people. He didn't give it to none of those people. He gave it to us. Therefore, our illicit behavior cannot be tolerated. Our negligence and nonchalance had to be reciprocated with punishment. Why? Because he only showed his word to us. So you can't point to all these other nations who never received his word. Who made the covenant? Who said, I do? Who was that? Was that Edomites? Or, you know, was that Hamites? Or was that us? See, that was us who agreed to the covenant, not other nations. See, brothers and sisters, that's why we haven't received that inheritance of the world. Yet, go to Psalms 96 and 5, brother, please. Follow us here, brothers and sisters. Psalms chapter 96, verse 5. For all the gods of the nations are idols. Read that again. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. See? All the gods of the nations are idols. The nations, the Gentiles, are idolatrous by nature, brothers and sisters. Non-theistic, agnostic, brothers and sisters. See? So how are you going to follow somebody of another nation or nationality when they're following a the devil? <laughs> they're following a demon. I don't care who they are. All relation, uh, excuse me, all nations are, have their own religion. Buddhist for the Asians, right? The Hindus, Hindu gods, for the, those people from India and people from the quote unquote Middle East, a lot of them are dealing with the rock, Allah. See? So each race of people have a God. The Hispanics and Negroes, the natives, God is the great I am. Everybody else is an idol. See? Read it again, brother, please. <clears throat> Psalms chapter 96, verse 5. For all of for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. See, so now you're starting to see why the Most High kept saying, follow not the way of the heathen. Why? Because I didn't give them insight on how to please me. 
I chose you and you want to follow these other nations? Now I have to reciprocate that. Now, you know, now you have to be under those nations since you want to follow them. Now you'll be the tail. See, we have to come to this understanding, brothers and sisters. Our people must come to this understanding that we have to dictate what we worship according to the Bible, not to how some other nation is telling me to do. No, what's good for them is not good for me. I'm an Israelite. You're an Israelite. You can't do what other people do. Why? Because we are in covenant. That's just like uh, a sister who's married to a brother. She have a single friend who's going out to the club and, and doing all types of stuff, going to other men's house. Guess what? You can't do that. Why? Why can't I do that? Because you're married. You've said I do. That's why. You can't point to somebody who's an idolater. You can't point to a fornicator and then say, why can't I do that? You've made a covenant with somebody. That's why. See, brothers and sisters, it says all of the gods of the nations are idols. Now, look at this. We're going to show you. How did that happen? Go to Jasher. We're going to the book of Jasher, brothers and sisters. We're going to Jasher chapter 9, verse 31 and 32. Jasher chapter 9, verse 31. And they built the tower and the city, and they did this thing daily until many days. And years were elapsed. So this is speaking of the Tower of Babel, brothers and sisters. Read that again. And they built the tower and the city, and they did this thing daily until many days and years were elapsed. And the, and the Most High said to the seventy angels who stood foremost before him, to those who were near to him, saying, Come, let us descend and confuse their tongues. Saying what? Come, let us descend and confuse their tongues. That one man shall not understand the language of a neighbor. And they did and they did so unto them. So brothers and sisters, it tell you in Jasher that there were 70 angels that the Most High sent down to confound the languages. These 70 angels were later turned into idols by the people who whose language was, de de was uh, determined by these angels. See, that's why the Bible is telling you all the nations of the gods are, are excuse me, are idols. Why? Because these 70 angels that gave them their languages, these people, these Gentiles, these heathens started to worship these angels, fallen angels, brothers and sisters. See, that's why the Most High is so starch on the obedience of the children of Israel, because all of them are following fallen angels. You are my portion, says the Most High. See? Let's go to Isaiah 61 and 1, brother. We're almost done here. We're wrapping it up. This is a love story, brothers and sisters. This is a love story. Isaiah chapter 61. We're going to read verse 1. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. See? Look at that. Who is captive? Continue. And the openings of the prison to them that are bound. Read. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So brothers and sisters, look at this here. It's a proclamation of hope and reconciliation is what we're supposed to be delivering to Zion, to the children of Israel. Liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to them that are bound. Uh, read verse 2 again, brother. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 2. 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our, of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. See, so those who mourn for the corruption, now he proclaims his redemptive deeds on the behalf of the exiles of Zion. See, read, brother. Isaiah 61, verse 4. And they shall build the old wastes, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Continue. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Read that again. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. So look at this. Where it's talking about strangers, it's talking about Gentiles and those who are following other gods. It's, and when it says alien, it's talking about somebody foreign to Israel, which would make them a Gentile. Read verse 5 again, brother. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 5. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. Gentiles will be manicuring our lawns. This is what's going to happen if we continue to stay with the Most High God and respect the covenant. The strangers shall be feeding your flocks. The sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. See? So they will be dealing with the maintenance. They will be cleaning and working for us. The same way we cleaned and worked for them. See? Who's cleaning up people's houses right now? Who, who, you know, the maid service, Molly maid in these places. Who is that? Is that our people? Who was picking peas, picking cotton? Who is that? See? So I don't want to hear, oh, you know, I don't want to be under a God that would have other nations working for us. What, what are you, a slave? You was working for another nation. <laughs> See, and it's only Israel who would look at this and then say, well, I don't want to be under a God that's going to have another nation serve me. Read it again, brother. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 5. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. See, they're going to be cutting our grass. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in the glory, in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. See, we shall eat the riches. All the stuff that the Gentiles have amassed will be delegated towards us. Why? Because God's favor ain't fair. That's why. That's why. We serve the true God. You don't. You had your time. So we're going to come back to our God, and then you're going to work for us, pretty much. <laughs> and we're going to have your riches and everything that you have. You're going to delegate to us. Same way you did to us. But we're not going to beat and whip people and swing them off trees. We're not you. We're better than that. So we won't be dealing with that. Let's, let's jump to verse 9, brother. Because these are prophetic pronouncements concerning the children of Israel. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 9. And their, sheep, and their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. See, so the, it, the, the nations will acknowledge us. They will acknowledge us as God's chosen people, brothers and sisters. See, we will be known as preeminent, brothers and sisters. 
without any shadow of a doubt. I really need you to examine these scriptures closely because what we did was use the Bible to pull, you know, to show the illustration that's interwoven into the very fabrics of the text of this this loving but sometimes tumultuous relationship between the Most High Ahaya and his chosen people. See? So it's important. This is imperative that Israelites understand this. Everything that the Most High have been trying to do with us that goes unnoticed. And guess what? Men say this all the time. She don't even know what I'm going through to, <laughs> to make this seem like, you know, it's right. She don't know what's, what I'm doing when I leave about this house. Everything I'm doing to just make her happy. Men say this all the time. Sisters say this too. You know, he, he didn't notice my nails. He didn't notice my hair. He didn't notice this. But I don't know a man alive who's been with a woman and, you know, say she don't even understand what I'm doing to just make it be normal. Probably because you're not telling her and you're doing it secretly. But nevertheless, brothers understand what I'm saying here. And this is the same way that, you know, we are with the Most High. The Most High is doing all this stuff behind, you know, behind the, the fences, you know, behind the curtain to keep us happy. And we just keep rejecting it. He said, listen, come and, you know, be faithful to me. And I will raise you to be exalted above all nations. See? Let's go to Daniel 7 and 27, Brother Wesley. Follow us here, brothers and sisters. We're almost done here. We're wrapping it up. Daniel chapter 7, verse 26. 27. 27. And the kingdom and the dominion... And the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions are served and obey him. See? So look at that, brothers and sisters. Everything that the sun shines light on will be under our dominion, brothers and sisters. See? And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. See? So don't allow a Christian to tell you, well, it doesn't matter who the people of the Most High are. <laughs> See? Though it only doesn't matter when it's you. <laughs> if it doesn't matter, then stop telling me that the, you know, the Jewish people over there are the Jews, if it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter then, does it? Exactly. Because when I grew up in Christian church, they, you know, they took offering and all types of stuff to send over there to Israel. But then you're saying it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. So it only doesn't matter when some black people are God's chosen people. So then it doesn't matter. See? I want you to examine that, brothers and sisters. Read 27 one more time, please, brother. Daniel chapter 7, verse 27. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is everlasting kingdom. And all dominions shall serve and obey him. See, all dominions shall serve and obey our God, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. See, so under Christ and the Most High come us and everybody is going to serve forever. It's everlasting, <laughs> brothers and sisters. See, so this scripture represents the prominence and prestigiousness of the children of Israel and why we must carry ourselves a certain way. Because if you're going to rule, you must rule righteously. Imagine a God telling you, listen, I'll give you the earth as an inheritance, but you must establish my rules and my laws and follow them yourself. 
Who wouldn't, I mean, <laughs> who wouldn't do that? Who wouldn't do this? Somebody give you a piece of land and say, you know what? I'll give you this land and, and all the money you can carry. Only thing you have to do is implement my laws then. Only us, brothers and sisters, would turn down a deal like that. It's time to come back. Go to Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, brother. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3. And many people shall go and say, Say what? Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the, of the, of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law. For what? For out of Zion shall go forth the law. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So look at this, brothers and sisters. We will be educating the Gentiles. The Gentiles will say, let us go to Israel to learn the ways of the Most High God. How can they learn the ways of the Most High God when they wasn't given the law? Through us, brothers and sisters. It says, for out of Zion shall go forth the law. So from Zion or Israel, from our people, the whole earth will learn the law, brothers and sisters. That's not going on in, in Zion right in, in Jerusalem right now. You got, you know, homosexual parades, transgender, all types of madness going over there, going on over there in the Holy Land. When we get there, a law is going to be established. So this is showing that we're going to have to educate these Gentiles. Why? Because when we educate our oppressors, that's evidence of our preeminence. Being the custodians of doctrine is emblematic of leadership and supremacy, brothers and sisters. And this scripture illustrates that we are the scholars, we are the pedagogue, brothers and sisters. So when I hear our people saying, we, 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 we shouldn't teach Gentiles. I'm like, brother, I mean, you're still thinking like a slave. When you're in rulership, you're the one teaching everybody. <laughs> How do you think you, you found out you was a, a Hamite? Somebody taught you that. <laughs> See? So we still think like slaves. When you rule, you teach them what to learn. You're going to learn what we say learn. The same way you learn Christopher Columbus. <laughs> founded America. See? So exactly. They were showing you their dominion. They were showing you their power. Well, listen, I, I'm ruling stuff and I'm going to teach you against yourself. See? You read what you saw. Because our turn is next. Let's go to Isaiah 60 and 1 through 4. Chapter 60, 1 through 4, and we're going to end it here, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was a love story, brothers and sisters. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Read verse 1 again, brother. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Brothers and sisters, the Most High brings light to Israel while the rest of the world remains in darkness. Examine the next scripture. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light. Read that again. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, 
and kings to the brightness of thy rising. See, so the whole earth will be plunged into darkness and Zion alone will mediate divine light to the nations. Read. Lift up thine eyes round about and see all they gather themselves together. They come to see, come to thee. Thy son shall come from forth. Come from jump, jump back to verse 2, brother. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about, and see all they gather themselves together. They come to get, they come to thee. See, so take your time, brother. So look at this, brothers and sisters. The Gentiles will gather themselves together and come to us. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from far, and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Look at this, brothers and sisters. <laughs> they will come to us, brothers and sisters. We are to become a lantern by which kings will walk. This depicts the elevated status of the people of Jerusalem. All the nations will come to us for light. See, brothers and sisters, it says, Thy son shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. They're going to be learning from us. They're going to be raised in spirituality by us, brothers and sisters. See? That's what happens when your husband is the creator God. See? This is what happens, brothers and sisters. So today's lesson was a love story, brothers and sisters, where we went from the beginning to future things that have not transpired yet. The loving, the long-suffering God that created us, that chose us, and our sometimes disobedience that have become a wedge in between us and the Father. Many times have we gone astray and the Most High continues to receive us back, brothers and sisters. So today we wanted to use the Bible to show how important it is for the children of Israel not only to know who they are, but to know who their God is and to know their history. What has the Most High done for us? See, brothers and sisters? The Most High have been fighting for us this whole time, and we have continued to be disobedient and ungrateful, unfaithful. If we come back to the Father, we will rise, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was a love story. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.